Welcome to the Coaching Lifeline Podcast, brought to you by MAPS Coaching at Keller Williams Realty. I'm your host, Abe Shreve, and here we bring together business leaders and business coaches as we explore the stories of driven individuals who face and overcome their challenges. In 2015, there was a powerhouse of a woman named Flor de Maria. Flor worked as a bartender, and she noted that she could bring more people in for drinks, but she was really limited on how much she was able to do to actually grow the business. It was frustrating to her. She told us that she was talking to her then boyfriend, today her husband, about it, and he said right out of the blue, you should get your real estate license. She said it actually made her mad. You're not listening, is what she said to him. It's that classic, men wanna fix it and women are working through it, right? Well, it bothered her enough that she stayed up late that night researching What does it look like to be a real estate agent? How do you get licensed? How much do people make? How do you get started? And right away, you're learning some important things about Floor. She, when she has an idea or she's going to implement a model, you're about to discover that she is a brilliant implementer. She'll research, but then she moves quickly into how to get it done. She started real estate school. Three weeks later, she had her license. Now, fast forward to 2021. Floor as the single agent in production on her team, did $26 million in transactional real estate sales volume. That's 118 homes sold. It's an incredible business. She told me that this year she's done 24 million and 104 units, and we just started August. Now, most of the time we like to make all of these podcasts evergreen, but let me just cue you in on a little about what's going on in the economy today, just in case you're listening to this in the future. It is tanking. <laughs> we are headed nose down right into a shift. Now, don't, don't lose your mind. There's a lot that you can do in a shift. But the fact that Floor has already done just shy of what she did the year before is pretty amazing. She said she feels great about where she is. So I asked her, I was, I was caught a little by her story of, I stayed up all night and I did the research. I asked her, what was that like? I literally had no knowledge of that world whatsoever. I mean, I was 20, 24. So it it was literally a world that I had never even thought about. So he had a little bit of understanding about how realtors get paid and, you know, them being able to run their own business. But that's, I mean, that's about as much as he knew. And he knows me better than I know myself. And so I think he just saw that I needed a way to, to start a business and that I had skills in sales and yeah, he just, I, I I personally think that it's the grace of God. I love that gratitude thinking, the grace of God. There's a story that maybe you've heard of a gentleman who was in a flood and he's, the waters are rising and he's, he's scared and he, he climbs up on top of his house and a boat comes by and they're like, jump in. And he says, no, God will deliver me. And the water starts to get higher and higher and it's, it's nearing where his feet are and another boat comes and they say, get in. And he says, no, God will deliver me. And then right as the water is coming up to about his waist, a helicopter comes and they say, climb aboard the ladder. And he says, no, God will deliver me. And of course he drowns to death. So we find him in heaven and he says, Lord, I had faith. 
Why didn't you deliver me? And God says, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. There is something to be said about acknowledging the blessings that come from our faith. But I observed in Floor that she works as if it's all dependent upon her. And that's important. We have to take action. I take action right away. I implement ideas right away. If it sounds remotely like a good idea, I will research it and I will implement. Um, so that night I did. I spent time on Google. I looked up what the average salary was, uh, what the job description entailed, what what I needed to do to get licensed. Because once I found out that it was a fun position or a fun job to have, then I wanted to look up the licensing requirements and I saved up my money in one week, all of my tips, and I went and signed up. Now the floor was licensed, she did what so many agents do. She joined a real estate team. And there are those that have a great experience. It's a perfect way to start. In fact, I'm aware of very high-producing agents that join a team, and they're with that team deep into their career. And then there are those teams that really shine a light on how you don't want to do it. She said that she received no value at all from this team. And she was thinking very early on that she would start her own. When I first became licensed, I joined a team that offered me no value. And I left very quickly and I started working on my own. And at the same time saying that, I also designed my logo for my team a few months after I left that team and said that I would never do it. <laughs> so I think it was always in the plans, but I just wanted to make sure that I could offer value to people that were in my organization. I wanted people to feel that they were important. I wanted them to be able to shine in their strengths. So if they're really good at meeting people or, you know, like Cami, Cami is excellent at showing homes and that's what she loves to do. She hates the paperwork. So I'm able to eliminate all the aspects that she does not like and allow her to shine in the area that she wants to shine in. Whereas a person like Gabriella, who's on my team, she actually does like parts of the marketing and the, and the paperwork. And so I'm able to strip away the parts that they don't want and allow my team to take care of it and just allow them to shine through those systems. Laura has really helped us understand what is the purpose of a team, right? The idea behind a team is together we do more. You've heard her even give an example of someone in her organization that is really great with the people and loves it. And if Flora can eliminate the part of the transaction that that person doesn't like and give it to someone who's really good at that, then really she can create a great customer experience. But equally important, she provides a wonderful work environment for someone to make a great living. That's when you know that you're working on a great team culture. Now, what a lot of people do is they get excited, they get inspired, they run out, and they start collecting the humans. I want you to hear me when I say this. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's some work to be done first. The challenge of starting a team is finding the right people. And what Emily and I worked on first before even the hiring process or any of that is what are your core values? Because if you don't align with somebody else's core values, they're never going to stick around. And that's, I mean, I can pinpoint 
every single hire that has not worked out has been because of a misalignment in core values. I think that's the hardest part is getting to understand yourself and who you are and what your vision for your team is. That's the challenge. There is not enough marijuana in the entire state of Colorado to get you through working with people that don't share your core values. I'm sure I'll probably get in trouble for that, but you get the idea. It is really hard to make it work. People get stuck because they select people based on their production and they think this person will come and they'll really push the production. But if you don't line up on the values, work becomes heavy and you become a hostage to those people. Now they can't leave because they're such a big part of the business. So she is very smart and, and her coach, Emily, is doing something with her that's really important. They are doing the required heavy lifting prior to bringing people aboard. What are the core values? And I love the way Floor describes the why behind the why. From 2015 to 2018, I felt like real estate was a job. 2019 to now, I treat it as a business. Um, that's when I got connected with Emily and it became a business. I feel like people <laughs> will very easily answer the question of what's your big why? They'll say my family. And it's just instinct, right? And I said the same thing. But I think where we got deeper is why is it your family? So the why for the why. And getting that clarity will get you the drive that will in turn create the vision for your team. And then you can sell the crap out of that. If you, if you know where you're going and what you're trying to achieve, then your core values come really quickly after that. And then you can find the people that family is the most important thing. Faith is the most important thing. Really, you know, people that come from a place of gratitude. And then all of a sudden you have a, an organization that's humming along. I mean, it's, well-oiled machine, everybody's happy, and you deal with the challenges one day at a time. There's still challenges. There's definitely, they don't all go away, but it's a lot easier to manage when everybody's on the same page, going towards the same vision. I think she's right on the money. In fact, I've been a person in the past that has said, my big why is my wife and my children, and certainly they're the reason that I push so hard. But that doesn't necessarily inspire others to come and embrace that why. Our mission at our company is we create sacred partnerships that require the best in us to bring out the best in them. We can build an entire business on that, and we have. It does everything from correct behavior that's out of alignment to inspire us to show up on days that are hard. That's where a big why goes. It's really important to do this work in the beginning, to identify what are my core values, what will I stand for, why are we showing up, why are we doing it? And the reason this is important because as an organization grows and you start to bring in people, the dynamic of your community and the dynamic of the culture of your organization start to get tested with the addition of every person. And it can be really hard. The challenge with moving from three people to 13 people on my team was really a battle with myself to let go of tasks that were not in my best interest to keep. So just really, so there, there's a big why personally, but there's also a big why in business, in my opinion. And my big why in business is what, what makes me tick? What are my strengths? 
and accepting that I am the person that I am. For example, like one thing that I'm really embarrassed about, or I was before, was how competitive that I am. But it really is a strength. Now, you know, in retrospect, I look back and, oh, like she just didn't understand that this is actually what makes her her. So I am very competitive and understanding that big why in business helps me to eliminate a lot of the tasks that I would do daily that weren't fulfilling that rewarding aspect of the business, like winning the, the listing or winning the contract for my buyers. And I, I mean, people ask me what I do every day and I sit here and I set appointments, I negotiate contracts and I solve problems. And those are my favorite things to do. I once heard it said that your ability to solve people's problems is your ability to make money. And Flora said the most interesting thing. She said, I love people puzzles. Isn't that intriguing? I asked her for an example. A people puzzle is when you have a client that, okay, so for example, I had a client a couple of days ago that called me and it sounded like she was getting emotional and I said, tell me what's going on. And she said, well, I don't feel like I should move forward. I feel like I can get more house for the money. I said, okay, tell me more about that because we're past inspections. We're past appraisal. You just got a $7,000 reduction. What's going on beyond that? And so just uncovering through communication, I found out that she had actually gotten an erroneous email from the lender saying that she had agreed to an appraisal gap when she had not. And so just getting down to the bottom, not getting stuck on the fact that she wants to walk away, but finding out why does she want to walk away? What's the real problem here? And, and helping her figure that out and getting her excited about the home again. What an amazing example. There's this part of the brain called the amygdala. It's the fight or flight center, right? It answers just a few questions. Is this thing in front of me a threat to me? Can I take it in a fight or do I need to run? It floods the body with adrenaline. It's the reason why when you're driving down the freeway and you look up on the right side of the road and you see a cop, even if you're not speeding, your heart races and maybe you even start sweating. It's the amygdala. And the amygdala is the first filter for every stimulus that we experience. All the things we see come first through that. When people are in that part of the brain, they are not rational, nor are they reasonable. And most of us have experienced that. Consider this. Have you ever tried to rationalize with an irrational person? Crazy, right? It's really hard. They're just not in that state of mind. What Floor has just shared with us is that she has the ability to continue to explore a person's story until they get out of the amygdala into the neocortex where logic and reason live. She could have reacted to this person pretty emotionally. I think we've all felt that before. But instead, she, she was invested enough in this client that she found out what the real challenge was. And she was able to save that experience. And when you do that for people, they become raving fans, raving fans. So now she's starting to grow this team around her. And there's one part of it that was more challenging than any of the others. The part that was the most challenging to give away was showing houses. I told Emily when she was pushing that, that what, what am I going to be left with? If I can't connect with people while, I'm, while they're touring homes, then what am I good for? 
I felt like all of my value was there in building rapport with the people. And that is so far from the truth. I mean, I feel like I have deeper relationships now than I did when I was running around all over town showing houses. There's a lot of fears, spoken or unspoken, that people have when they start to experience true leverage. And along with things like, what if my team discovers that I don't know as much as they think I know, or kind of all those inner dialogues that we experience, one of them is, am I becoming irrelevant? If I'm not doing the work, then am I needed anymore? You know, have I lost all connection with the client? Can someone take my business away? Or more importantly, am I just going to fall out of love with what I'm doing? And that's a valid concern. And Flora's having that concern. But she did discover that there is another way. And this is the learning that a person goes through on their way to discovering how to succeed through leverage. I discovered my value outside of just showing the houses and connecting with the people by realizing that I could still connect to the people through a different set of tasks. So when I'm negotiating the contract, now I have the time to sit there and explain to them, these are all the things that I'm doing for you. I talked to the agent. I did this. I went there and actually, you know, having the ability also to do all those things and then tell them about it. And then having the time to coordinate more events and do the VIP program and just, it it just opened up a whole new world. And it also allowed me to spend more time with my family, which was really important to me because if my bucket is filled by spending time with my family, then I'm able to pour more back into the clients and the people in my organization. So we're really getting the understanding that floor gets a ton done. My experience has been that most agents that are this productive share something in common, and that is that work is the drug of choice. But you've heard her talk about her faith. She actually said that work is not the drug of choice, but she is aware that it could become that. So she's very purposeful about the time she spends with her family and ensuring that the family comes first. So now she's growing this business and she's building the team and she's doing it based on core values. So what do you do when you realize that you've got someone on the bus that is not right for the bus? They're not in the right seat, but they're not even right to be on the bus. It's a hard, hard thing to face when you have to let someone go. Getting people off the bus is the hardest part of the job because you want to believe in everybody. And like for me, luckily the the ego part of it, like I made a wrong choice does not affect me. I can get rid of people pretty quickly. Not that I'm cold hearted, but I know how important my, my organization is to me and I don't want anything to affect it. So the most recent person that I had to have exit the team, we have a really great dynamic, the director of sales, director of operations, the three of us. I mean, we literally have a ball, but we also know when it's time to get work done. They had not talked. They had not laughed. They had not really interacted for two weeks. And I think it's really important to reach out to those people. At least this is what Emily has taught me and ask them how everything's going from their perspective, because then they feel like they're part of the organization as much as I'm leading it. They're also a part of the decision-making process. 
Um, so inviting them in and asking for their opinion. And they, they're, they're very honest with me. I've always had an open door policy where they can talk to me about any kind of situation, um, any kind of challenge that they have at work. And, and I hope that they feel they can be 100% honest with me because it definitely feels like they, they are. So they had told me some of their concerns and, and it's tough because you don't want to lose relationships. I mean, this business is all about gaining and deepening relationships. But again, preserving that culture and that dynamic is also very important. So just having conversations. So I remember the first fire that we did with Emily um, coming from a pace of curiosity. So sitting down with the employee and saying, how do you feel? Before you even interject what you're feeling, what are they feeling? Because most of the time they're feeling the same thing that you're feeling. And she literally said, I'm not happy and I want to quit. I was like, that was so easy. <laughs> yeah. Done. <laughs> Approved. The second one was a little bit harder. She was a good cultural fit, but she was just slower. She was slower on the technology. She was slower on the uptake. She didn't have great systems for her follow-up. She was in that lead generation specialist ISA role, and she was just failing at pretty badly. And she was a friend. I consider her family. She was a great cultural fit. And so having that conversation with her came more from a place of curiosity, not about the job, but about her personal life. And, you know, how, how are things going at home? Because I felt she was struck. She had been a stay-at-home mom for 40 years. And so to come into a full-time job and traveling 45 minutes each way was definitely taking a toll on her and not allowing her to focus and develop better systems. And so she opened up to me and she told me that she was really struggling and, you know, just asking questions rather than telling people, this is what I'm seeing and this is how you're failing and this is why you suck. I mean, I think that's a really bad approach. The way that Emily's taught me is just asking questions and they will just fire themselves. We have heard Floor reference Emily this entire time. Emily is her coach, and you can tell that they have a really strong partnership. Floor is a certified killer, I think. I think she's amazing in business, and I really have appreciated her sharing so transparently her learning journey and even some of the challenges and the fears that she's felt along the way and how she's overcome them. I asked her about the relationship with her coach, Emily, and how that works. It works really well because Emily is never trying to shove things down my throat. She is always asking questions and coming from a place of curiosity. She gets clarity around what, what is really my drive. She reminds me what my why is. I remember one conversation that was extremely impactful where she said, you know, I've always struggled with negative self-talk. And she said, I want you to do something. I want you to imagine that Cecilia just came up to you and said she was a bad mom, a bad business owner, and she's terrible at everything and she's failing and she wants to quit. And I don't know, my mind just completely shifted. Like I knew what she was doing. It was obviously talking about me, but I transport and she she remembers this too, probably, but I transported into a whole nother dimension. And I was talking to Cecilia, my oldest daughter, and it was 
all this positivity just flowing out. Just you are a great mother. You're running a wonderful business. Look at what you've done. Celebrating, you know, celebrate your wins. Celebrate where you know where you came from and where you're at now. And so, just being able to do those kinds of activities where it's you know shifting my mindset. I had a lot of breakdowns over the last three years. And she was always there to remind me why, why I'm doing what I do and why I shouldn't quit it. Well, folks, it's that wonderful time in our podcast where we get to go to the coaching lifeline. And today we're really privileged to have MAPS coach, Emily Baker. And this is the famed coach that Flora kept referencing. And you can really see the relationship that the two of you have. So welcome to the coaching lifeline, Emily. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And we're, we're grateful to be here. Well, we're excited you're here too. So tell me a little bit about your coaching journey. How long have you been in, how long have you been a coach? Yeah. So I've been with maps coaching for about four years now. And what, what brought you into coaching? So I had led a team over 500 transactions, launched expansion, um, was just coaching on a team relationship, right? With director of sales and agents and ISAs. And um, I always thought coaching was my end goal, right? Oh, when I'm older, I'll jump into coaching. Um, And actually Monica Reynolds called me and said, Hey, I'm looking for a coach that understands that's done what, you know, that has the experience and we're looking to grow our coaches. And I didn't know if you'd be open. And I said, no, said, you know what? I appreciate the call. It's just not my time. Um, and I prayed about it and thought about it. And I said, you know what? That's a limiting belief. Why not now? Right. What, what am I, what am I doing? This is an opportunity, you know, why not now? And so I connected with the great genie awesomeness and flew down to Austin and became a maps coach. You say that like it's easy. When I, (laughs) many years ago, I, I was a maps coach and I remember telling the, the gentleman that hired me, I think it'd be easier to balance the federal budget than to go through this hiring process. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. It definitely wasn't easy. Um, and that's my CNN version. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll take it. Now (laughs) let's move to the Fox. No, just kidding. We're not going there. Um, so let's, I want to talk a little bit about, um, do you have a specialty in coaching? I do. So my specialty in coaching is sales development. So whether that is a agent who, uh, is looking to build a team or now I specialize really with teams at a high level. Um, I am a cadre coach, so I focus, um, on high volume teams where, and I've, only coach leaders. So I'm very clear that leadership is my lane. And I always go on, you know, coaching to the models with sales development. So, you know, we could have some fun with that because whoever is being coached as a leader, everyone can be a leader. Absolutely. It's more of the stepping into leadership, right? It's the choice of viewing themselves as a leader. That's what I mean when I say that. Uh, that's a great way to say it. Anyone can lead, but that doesn't mean everyone should lead, nor does it mean that they're leading now, even if they hold the title. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about Flora just a little bit. Cause she said so many interesting things. I think one of the things that always fascinates me in these conversations is this 
is this journey to from being the single agent to going through the the hiring of others and the failing of hiring and leading others, which is critical to learning how to do it right. You know, what, why is it, why does it seem so difficult? How come someone, Emily, why can't they just, why can't we read a book and then just lead? (laughs) If it was only that easy, right? Because people are people and people come with personalities, right? And people also have problems. And I think in leadership and when we're hiring, we, we have to have the end goal in mind of what problem are we solving, right? This person is solving this problem. And that starts with clarity with yourself, your organization, who you're looking for, and not just, oh, I want this role. It's what is a winning role look like, right? You don't just hire a football player or draft a football player, right? You know exactly the size, the high, you know, for this linebacker that they're recruiting for. Should be no different in the job force. We need to know exactly what winning in this role looks like. I love that you said winning in this role because a lot of us, when we start out, we start by collecting the humans. We get enthusiastic. It sounds like Floor's first team experience was like that. She joined a team and realized that behind the curtain, there wasn't anything. (laughs) And so there's many of us are, are good at casting that vision. I have a chapter of my life that I was that leader. And I learned a painful lesson because I lost a few great people like Floor before I, I had to realize that there's a lot more to this leading thing than, than I was aware of. Um, it seems like the teenage years learning when you're going through that, that challenging time, doesn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Is it your experience that you're going to lose some people, some talented people on your way to learning how to lead talented people? Yes. What does that mean? I think it's leadership maturity. So when you look at growth in any capacity, the first time you grow is the first time. So you may not have the skill set or the maturity as a leader to lead people. And it also goes back to the clarity. The first time you make a hire, you may not be 100% clear on, right, think about real estate agents. We want an executive assistant. What do we want them for? To do all the things, right? Do whatever I can't do, <laughs> whatever I don't have time to do. Or don't um, want to do. Right, or don't want to Which is almost do. everything. <laughs> exactly. And so you could have, you know, Tom Brady sitting in front of you And you're just looking for that immediate relief of pain, whatever that pain point is for you in your role, right? Because it's, there's a a difference of working in the business and versus working on the business. And most of us, when we start our leverage journey, we're so drowned in the business that we're just looking for that immediate relief. Does it mean that we don't want to help people or we don't have the intention of helping people grow or that we're not good people? It just means that we want our pain resolved, right? We want the instant gratification of what that role is going to do for us. And I think that over time, as we work with people and as we commit to the craft of leadership and we have a, we, you know, lean into that growth journey 
your business grows to the extent that you do, right? So you're going to grow and then your business is going to grow. Your people are going to flourish. And so I think that that's the difference. And it is a, it is a development journey. And I think there's a lot of things that leaders can do to, um, there's a, there's a cycle in hiring that you, you reminded me of. It's we're, we're experiencing pain because either we're overwhelmed or we've, we've got a function of the job that we don't like, or there's a system we need that we don't know how to do it. We have a tendency to label ourselves a certain way. Like, well, I just make it rain. I'm not, I'm not a detail person. I'm big vision. Like this is our, this is our way of saying I'm above it and I need others. But the truth is you, you distill it down. And really what we're saying is our business requires more than me. And it just doesn't mean anything more than that. Our business requires more than me. And so when we're hiring out of pain, we have a tendency to fall in love with the candidates, not creepy love. Yeah. But just we, like you said, we see, we see them as the solution to the problem. And then we start to assign to them the titles reserved for someone with a 10-year track record. I finally, listen to this, I finally found the one. They, we haven't even onboarded them yet. I finally found the one. This person is a rock star. Finally, yeah. we got him. How many people you interview? I, I interviewed three. And this was the one. <laughs> this was the one. And then we immediately underlead them. Because real talent will know what we're thinking. Yep. And it, and it doesn't work like that. To me, hiring out of pain is like grocery shopping when you're really hungry. You're going to spend a lot more money and you're going to get things that aren't good for you. Yes, that's exactly right. So at what point do you think people start to realize that it's not just hiring? It's learning how to lead well and hiring right. Well, I think that that's a part of failing forward. I think that that's also learning from others. I think it's different for everyone. Some of them, it's an experiential journey, right? I've experienced this. I failed at this. I need help. And some of it is I experienced the receiving end of this or, um, or they're watching it, um, right? Most realtors have realtor friends, so they see and experience that as well. I think that something that has always stuck out to me that I am consistently reminding my coaching clients is culture eats strategy for breakfast. So in the hiring process, you, you have to master the process. And yet, just like Gary says, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know the mission. You have to know the vision. You've got to know your values. You have to know where are we going Because as a leader, that's your job. When things get hard, when times get hard, when we're in the messy middle, it's not going to, it's not always easy, right? We're going to have breakdowns. We're going to, you know, feel isolated. And sometimes as leaders, you can feel isolated, right? And it's, if you don't know where you're going, or you don't have a truly defined culture where you're just having fun, right? Work is so much more fun and enjoyable when you love who you're doing it with. Yeah. And if anyone's questioning what you just said, think of this. How often have you known there was a person that wasn't right for your organization and you just, 
hadn't had the conversation and it builds in, in weight on your shoulders. And then you finally have that dialogue and that person's gone. And I say it this way. I'm, I'm always surprised that I'm surprised at how much better the business feels, even if they were a great producer. Absolutely. Your comment about culture, each eats strategy for breakfast. Do you still need strategy then if you have a great culture? That was a trap. Look alive. (laughs) Yes. You, you need systems and models. You need to have a strategic play and there are multiple ways to win in real estate. Real estate is such a vast industry. You look at business in general, there, there are lots of ways to make money, right? There are lots of ways to win in business. When you have the right people, it's who, not how. And I think that it's not hard to come up with ideas as entrepreneurs. We come up with what, like a hundred ideas a day, right? (laughs) Oh, I thought of this. Oh, I've got a new idea, right? We're up at 3am just whiteboarding. That's natural to us entrepreneurs. Ideas or strategy, a lot of times are our strengths. And so it's really just the who that we align ourselves with such that we're all rowing in the same direction and we can get there further faster. I love that. It's who not, it's who not what you hear Gary say that all the time. When he says, I realize when, when we're hitting a ceiling, I'm missing a who. Yep. Right. And it is, it is a real learning journey. I feel like floor cheated on her journey. She cheated because she hired a coach and you know, this will some to some, this will sound like a shameless plug, but listen, if the host of a podcast about coaching and the guest coach can't be passionate about coaching without it sounding like a plug, you're just simply listening to the wrong people. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to be shameless for a moment, right? Yeah. Um, what, what does the coaching relationship bring to someone that's like floor that's, that's doing it. That's a quick implementer that wants to learn and grow. What does coaching bring? Clarity. We, we have a model in MAPS business called Fight for Clarity. If you're going to be in a fight, that's the fight to be in, is the fight for clarity. And it's hard, to, it's hard to be clear when you're the one in the middle of it all. So how does coaching help bring clarity? For, you know, from my perspective as a coach, coaching brings clarity because you're able to have a safe relationship without judgment, without bias of any sort to go there, to go the seven layers, right? I'm going deep with you. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. And I'm going to lean into that. And, you know, you may not always like me at the time. Um, and you're going to love me later because then we're, we're going to be a hundred percent bought in, right? That's the goal is if we're going to do something, let's do it. And yet let's make sure that you want to do it. Let's not just go to a seminar and, oh my gosh, this person does this. And this is so great. And I'm going to do this. And so, okay, wait a second. (laughs) How did we build our business? (laughs) What's already working, right? Have we really maximized those opportunities? It's just getting, that's an experienced coach talking there. (laughs) You just channeled everyone in the real estate business. (laughs) everything's changing. This person's doing this. We're going to dump all of that over there. Now we're going to do this. It's the ultimate shiny squirrel. Yes. And it's, 
And it goes back to what problem is this solving, right? And it's the path of mastering and it's mastering your method. And it's okay to have different methods. It's okay that, I mean, go to the MREA on, you know, lead generation. There are over 50 ways to lead generate. You know, I don't care which one you choose. Let's choose the three to five. Let's start with one. Let's go really, really deep in mastery and commit. And let's not stop until we've hit our goal of whatever the goal is, right? That's important to you. That feels, you know, such that again, that you're crushing it. Um, I also think that coaching, uh, uh, specifically with floor, um, is it is a, I'm going to go back to the safe relationship because I think that again, as most salespeople have competitive natures and most salespeople like to win and most salespeople will collaborate with one another, right? And it's, oh, this person. And there is very much in our world, a um, comparison game of, well, this person, and you know, they're successful because of this and they're successful because of this. And I think that in a coaching relationship, it allows the coach allows you to see your greatness. The coach allows you to, to look in the mirror to stop looking out the window. Let's look at the mirror and let's know what is your strength? What is your superpower? Well, this is who you are. And there have been multiple times where, you know, floor, you know, has not always wanted to, to stay in the relationship, right? Um, whether it was, I don't deserve this or I don't, you know, they're, they're self-sabotage they're we're human, right? And I think that that's the power of coaching is just taking a stand for someone else to see them as who they really are and getting to know their superpower and then getting them to see that for themselves. And I think if we, if we are getting matching tattoos today on coaching, <laughs> but also on the coaching leader, just on the leader, maybe you're not an official coach, but you're a leader. That's what we would have. It'd be a long tattoo. We'd have to use like the, our holdbacks <laughs> or something, but the idea that, you know, you're going to, you're going to take a stand for someone and see in them what they can't see in themselves in the moment. And I don't care who you are. Take the highest driver, the most red personality, the, the highest D in the chart, the, the ultimate and behind the curtain, everybody has vulnerabilities. Everybody struggles with something. And that's what I've learned in my coaching journey. Well, Emily, you have been wonderful. And I really hope that you'll come back. Will you come back? Can we have you back on here? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back. This has been fun. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. I know I learned a lot from Floor and Emily. If now is the right time for you to learn what hiring a coach like Emily would look like for you and your business, call 800-784-6826. That's 800-784-6826 to schedule a call with a business growth advisor. They'll explore your business and help you select the right type of coaching to get you to your next level. And please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a review. It really helps us in our mission of helping others. I hope you'll join us next time on the Coaching Lifeline podcast as we explore the stories of driven individuals who face and overcome their challenges.